Welcome to EANCAST, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Welcome, everybody, to EANCAST Weekly Neurology. We're now tackling the topic of sleep-wake disorders, and uh, hopefully you have already heard uh, our basics on sleep-wake disorders last week. This time, uh, we have the honor and are extremely grateful to hear the patient perspectives on narcolepsy. My name is Thomas Berger. I'm uh, chair of the Department of Neurology in Vienna, Austria. I'm also honored by serving as chair of the Scientific Committee of European Academy of Neurology. But uh, right at the moment, I'm the guest moderator of this weekly neurology uh, episodes together with Dr. Ambra Stefani, sleep-wake disorder specialist from the Medical University of uh, Innsbruck in Austria. And we both together are extremely happy to welcome today Leontine Sikenga to um, tell us about her story, her patient perspective on narcolepsy. As I have learned, uh, Leontine is from the Netherlands, so we are really in a European uh, platform, and uh, thank you again for joining us. And um, nearby uh, Utrecht, I have heard from you, you're at home. And um, what I also learned is that uh, nearly 25 years ago, you received the diagnosis of narcolepsy. And uh, for that matter, and I think this is the most important part of our episodes, we will now hear together with Ambra, uh, your story, your perspectives, and your insights on the disease of narcolepsy. Yeah, that's correct. Hi, Leontine, also from my side. Um, welcome, and thank you for being here with us today. Last week, uh, we heard uh, about the diagnosis and treatment of narcolepsy uh, together with uh, uh, Dr. Rolf Fronzek. And uh, for us, of course, it's always very important also to hear the patient perspective and we know that there are some uh, special uh, issues in the diagnosis of narcolepsy and uh, I would like to ask you just to present us your point of view how this uh, uh, went in your case with the diagnosis of narcolepsy. Yeah, I started to be sleepy uh, when I was around I think 19 or 20 years old but I was a student back then, so um, I made, uh, uh, I had parties, I went to bed late. So during the day when I was sleepy, I didn't really think that there was something wrong. And it took me uh, a couple of years before I uh, realized that other people could be awake if they really needed to be, like when they were driving in a car or something, and I couldn't. And at that point, I went to my uh, general practitioner and I asked him if there's something wrong with me uh, that I fall asleep so easily. And I was lucky that he immediately said, I'm going to send you to a neurologist because mm, I'm not sure, maybe it's got something to do with epilepsy or I don't know. So I was very lucky that when I went to the doctor, I um, immediately got to a neurologist and he was very happy to see me because I was his first narcolepsy patient for real. So that for him was really wow. But 
most of the time when what you hear from from a lot of patients it's that is that it's taking very long time before the correct diagnosis is made and that's a big problem because people will be sent to for instance um uh, psychiatry or something because they have vivid dreams and they see things that are not there so people the doctors they think oh my god there's something really wrong with you you should really talk to some somebody about this and so usually it takes about eight years before the right diagnosis is made and that's really a long time yes that's really a very long time and uh knowledge about this disease uh, should be improved also uh, in among general practitioners and there is uh, still uh, work to do on this. And uh, uh, of course you explained a bit also the symptoms that you had uh, already from the beginning of the disease and it's quite easy to understand that these kind of symptoms have an impact on your daily life. Yeah. Could you find some way to adapt your way of life just to improve the quality of life, trying to adapt to the narcolepsy? Yeah, well, what what is always very helpful and very important if you have narcolepsy besides the medical treatment is that you adjust your way of life, which is taking regular naps during the day and also have a regular uh, sleeping pattern. So this, so go to bed every night at the same time, more or less. Especially the naps during the day. That was, for me, it was not that difficult to, um, to introduce them uh, in my daily life. It was more difficult later when I went to work. That was more, that was really a struggle to, um, yeah, to find a way to do that. But, what also was very difficult is that you the sleepiness during the day that's very that's a very common thing with narcolepsy but there are all kinds of other issues that in the first time you don't think that uh, is also a part of the narcolepsy and then you you learn about that later on and then you think oh that's also narcolepsy oh that's also part of it and so that's also very um uh, you keep learning about yourself and your narcolepsy. Uh, it takes a lot of time to understand it really in full. Yes, yeah, so this is uh, uh, this was also for you a learning process with time to understand uh, which symptoms you had, which you may not have considered symptoms from the beginning, but were part of the disease. Yeah, and. Besides, uh, uh, of course, you mentioned symptomatic treatment and uh, uh, what you can change in your daily life to uh, to make things uh, a bit easier for you. Are there other things that could help, like uh, particular medical persons, uh, uh, figures that could uh, uh, help assist you in your daily life? Yeah, well, of course, the medical treatment by a neurologist is very important to, to search for the right treatment because some people, they have more cataplexy, uh, so they have to have other medication than people who have a, a bad night sleep or uh, there are all, well, all kinds of medication for special um, aspects, uh, so to say. But beside that, it's, uh, I think it's very important to have, beside your neurologist, to have a sort of what we call in the Netherlands a special nurse, which is somebody who is really 
knows a lot about narcolepsy and ev- and all the things that you have to to deal with and that can really help you to understand it but also to make the right choices and to ask you can you do all the things you want to do are you happy with the way uh, your life is now do you miss something do you want to uh, be more awake in the evenings or can you do your sports uh, can you go to visit your friends and usually a neurologist doesn't have the time to to have a, a, a real conversation about how your life is going at the moment so that's why I think it's very important to have sort of special nurse or a person who's also talking about the daily aspect of life uh, living with narcolepsy so uh, Leontine, thank you uh, so much for this personal insights in your disease and uh, not the narcolepsy which affects you, but you affected by narcolepsy. What I have also learned is that you are very strongly engaged in the European Narcolepsy Patient Organization. What brought you to this uh, engagement? Well, I visit the European Narcolepsy Days for a couple of years. Uh, and I always found it very special that besides the doctors who share their knowledge amongst each other, patients are, were also invited. But uh, I always felt that um, they could use the, the knowledge of the patients much more than they did. So I was always trying to figure out how we could um, cooperate more closely together. And... Um, uh, I got in contact with uh, Claudio Bassetti about this. And, well, during the the times we met, uh, we start talking about it. And, and he was very, uh, uh, he's a very strong believer in the um, empowerment of patients. So I think it's also very important that we as uh, patient, national patient groups have to get together to be more uh, powerful to, for instance, the pharmaceutical companies and to, to join our forces for a better, for, for a stronger voice for narcolepsy patients. So, yeah, when I was, uh, when I was able to, uh, together with Massimo Zenti, the um, president of the Italian patient organization, we tried to, um, to get more patients in uh, Europe uh, enthusiastic about this idea. And we, uh, we managed and um, we now have a group of uh, 12 countries. And last week we became official. Uh, we had our first uh, uh, general meeting. So we're very proud of, uh, of, the, of, of ENEP being born last week. So that's really, uh, yeah, it's really a great step forward, I think. So having heard before that uh, there are sometimes substantial delays between first symptoms and then uh, the diagnosis, how important is um, raising awareness and doing advocacy on narcolepsy? What is the gain of this uh, across Europe? That's that's really, that's I think it's maybe the most important thing to raise awareness. As, as uh, Ambra already said, also raise awareness amongst general practitioners. But uh, it's also very important to raise awareness amongst everybody, all the people, because, because a lot of people, when they have sleeping problems, like me, I didn't think about a, a disease or something. I mean, it's really strange that you have it. And 
and a lot of people they they read interviews in a magazine or they see something on television and then they think wow i've got that that's just like like my story or somebody reads it and says uh, hey i've read this story it sounds like you is it uh, you you've got the same symptoms so that's in in that way it's very important to raise awareness but it's also very important because so many people are being said to be lazy or uninterested and and they are stigma uh, i don't know the right word but there's a stigma about patients and that's really it is it should be very helpful if more people know what the disease is and that it's not because people are not interested in things but they just can't stay awake yeah i think it's very important to raise more awareness you mentioned a very important term it's called stigma so uh, i would like to ask you a personal question and uh, i don't know whether you wanted to answer but uh, did you experience any neglects or surprises or even misunderstandings from your environment or from your from at your working place or which made even the, the fact that you have a disease like narcolepsy even more worse by being also affected with a stigma? Uh, yeah, well, in uh, when I, the first couple of years before I knew what, what was wrong and I uh, fell asleep quite easily when I was uh, driving with friends in a car for over a half an hour or something and after five minutes I fell asleep in the car and Later, I heard that one of the friends said, yeah, well, sometimes we ask to ourselves, um, does she really like us as friends? Because she's always asleep. And um, that's, for me, that's the only real moment that I heard something like that. But it really hurt because it is something that I can't do anything about it. And it's, as I said, it's, it's got nothing to do with whether I like people or not. I just fall asleep. So. Um, But that was actually, I think for me, it was the only time. And for the rest, I think it's very important for patients, once they know they have narcolepsy, that they are very open about it and tell people what's wrong with them. Because then people will understand if you are uh, not uh, really um, concentrated or when you're sitting in a meeting and uh, you sort of fall asleep. So uh, at my work, I tell people what's wrong with me. I have no problem uh, with telling that. And I say I have a sleeping disorder. And that means that I have to sleep sometimes during the day. So um, if we have an important meeting, um, I take my nap before that. And, um, and, th and for me, that's, uh, that, that really reduced the stress in my life about uh, living with narcolepsy. So I would also uh, advise people people if they can but it's sometimes it is very difficult to be open about it but i hope everybody will reach that point because it's really it's 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 better for yourself uh, i would like to come back once again to your engagement in enap uh, what do you identify as the most important gaps in raising awareness or um, imposing advocacy to let's say different um, health stakeholders Uh, so what do you think is the most important gap which should be bridged? 
well, I think that a very important gap is that there is, um, uh, like I said, like I told you before, the special nurse we have in in Holland and the time that we have in Holland to decide visit the neurologist, also talk to uh, somebody about all the other aspects. I think that's something which is uh, not common in Europe. So uh, I would really, ho- I really hope that we can manage to to change that. And um, beside that, we also uh, one of the first things we want to do is um, ask patients in all the countries what their situation is like, how, how long it took for them to have a diagnosis, to have a sort of uh, data which we can use also in the future works to to show politicians uh, and uh, people at the pharmaceutical industries that it's really uh, necessary to do certain things. And uh, beside that, I think it's also very important that we can learn from each other. Like when they have uh, something interesting in the Italian patient organization, then we can use it uh, in Holland as well. And we don't have, then then, uh, it saves time because otherwise in Holland we have to think, oh, how can we do it? But they already thought about it in Italy. So you can just sort of copy paste it. And I think that should be very helpful as well. Yes, indeed. I think it's not always necessary to invent the wheel new. So uh, apart from the fact that we are also learning by listening to your history and your perspective, so uh, if we formalize this more in a concise way, what do you think um, is about the importance of uh, including patient-related outcomes to clinical trials, to interventions, and to give more emphasis on the voice of patients. Yeah, I think that's also very important because, for instance, sometimes it's it's uh, uh, for doctors it, maybe it's more interesting to or or pharmaceutical industry it's more interesting to find a cure for for the excessive daytime sleepiness. But maybe for patients it's much more, uh, they prefer to. Uh, have a focus on, um, for instance, the, the weight they gain or um, the way they the, the brain is functioning, like uh, they have, um, uh, I don't know the right word for it, sorry. I think it is very important to, to ask patients to, to be in discussion with them, with, with them because we are, the, uh, we are the ones who, we have the experience and, uh, and the doctors have the knowledge. So, and uh, of course, the pharmaceutical industries have the knowledge. So when you combine those three uh, aspects, I think we can make bigger steps. So uh, I would like to come to the end of our this week's EAN cast. I would like to cordially and thank Leontine for offering uh, the opportunity to listen to your insight, to your history, but also to your claims and requests. Thank you once again. Thank you. And I also would like to thank Ambra Stefani for co-moderation of this uh, weekly podcast. And last but not least, stay on air for next week on the hot topics of narcolepsy. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been EANCast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. 
You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit ean.org membership. That's ean.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.